Welcome to All the Responsibility, None of the Authority, the podcast for product managers, product marketers, entrepreneurs, and everyone else who wants to bring a little innovation to market. Along with Rob McGrory, I'm your host, Nils Davis. You may have heard of the Mind the Product Conference for product managers. At last year's conference in San Francisco, over 1,500 product managers showed up at Davies Symphony Hall. There's another giant conference as well in London. At the San Francisco conference, the check-in line was nearly around the block. I have certainly never been in a room with that many product managers before, and it was quite the heady feeling that product management has arrived, so to speak. The conference is put on by some of the folks who make the ProdPad product management application, and one of the bright stars of many in the ProdPad organization is Andreas Sayas. If you've been involved in any of the Slack channels around product management, you're likely to recognize her name. She's an active contributor to both the Mind the Product and Product Management HQ Slack channels, possibly other ones as well that I don't know about, and her penetrating insights and astringent, witty tone are unmistakable. And she is as witty and penetrating in person as she is in her writing. Rob and I caught up with her in the calm before the storm of the conference last year in the lobby of the Hotel Zeta in San Francisco. You might notice some unusual background noise. The hotel lobby is not quite a normal recording studio. Not only was their background music on and people passing to and fro, so was our mic. Andrea, Rob, and I passed the mic around during the conversation, so while the audio might not be quite what we'd have hoped for, I hope you'll agree the content is great. Our conversation ranged widely in the short time we had, and as we started, Andrea shared some of the challenges of communicating with product managers as a vendor of tools for product managers and the importance of story in product management. Talk about the problem that you're trying to solve, which is what we do as product managers. We are problem solvers. And a lot of people in, in, in the industry seem to write about solutions, but it's just the solution. They're not talking about where that solution is coming from. And so as product managers, if you're writing about product, it's a little bit counteractive to focus on the solution, but not to talk about the problem that you're trying to solve. So I read a lot of blog posts and where most people fail or where it lacks the, the sort of, it's a little bit lackluster in terms of, of the content itself is, is that focusing on the solution, but not talking about the problem. Uh, and I think that just happens in content in, in general, but being a product manager and learning from, from our head of growth, Nandini, that's actually taught me about telling a story when you write. It's, we've almost become really picky about what we consider a good article. Um, and I, I think it's a great opportunity to, you know, when you're talking about products, to treat the content as a product, because it is a product. Um, and that just leads you to write better content and stuff that is actually helpful. And not, you, you're not just saying, here, I wrote this thing, but, <laughs> but actually here, I wrote this thing that actually makes sense and provides value. So it's, it's a so provider. Not just here, here's this thing I wrote. Not just here, here's this thing that I wrote, but here's, uh, here's a story, here's the background as to why I'm trying to tell you how to solve this. Do you find that telling the background helps the customer or the intended audience engage better so they can either step into your shoes, understand what's going on, or is there just something else about a story that seems more engaging? I think that well, I think it's a little bit of both. I think having a story behind what you're telling is is definitely helpful to understanding, but also engaging. So if you want someone to really understand and get engaged with what you're talking about, you you need to have a story. You need to 
like I said, talk about, you know, that problem that you're trying to solve. Because again, as product managers, that's our focus, right? The solution is always going to change. There can be multiple solutions, but if you're focusing on that one solution, then talk about how you reach that conclusion about it. So in trying to solve problems for PMs, how do you find their interaction with either your content or the product itself? Uh, you said you did some QA, you're sort of a jack of all trades. Are product manager users different than others that you've had in previous roles? And is that good or bad? Feel free to be brutal. Uh, no, I'm not going to be brutal. I think uh, product managers are very unique because I we've noticed product managers hate being marketed to because they're too smart for that. <laughs> so even when we market for product managers, we need to have a pr- and we we've developed our own personality because they're they're too smart for that stuff. Um, and and we caught on to that very very quickly. So we try to be funny and lighthearted um, and and just have a very um, lighthearted approach to everything we say. Uh, but product managers are very factual in what they do. Uh, so even on our, our onboarding process and our drip campaigns, uh, we, we got really specific because we know that even within the product management sphere, there's the new product managers and there's the more seasoned product managers. Um, so we, we kind of try to cater to all of them, but still not, um, because they're too smart, not dumped things down. <laughs> Uh, and I think in, in every other um, sort of area that I've, that I've worked on, um, people have a hard time understanding things. Product managers just pick things up like that, um, just very, very quick. Um, so it's, it's interesting because it's actually easier in a way to, to deal with product managers, but in a way it's also harder because they are too smart. So you can't just assume that they're going to, uh, I think with other uses, you assume that you know, they don't know something. With product managers, you assume that they already know it. So you're sort of describing a little bit of a tension, though, between product managers being very smart, yes, and the fact that we tend to, as a group, think about solutions rather than problems. I mean, we all know that as product managers, the problem is very important to understand. We know that intuitively. But we tend to just get ourselves stuck in the solution. And so I'm curious how you are trying to walk that line when when you're communicating with them about how you're going to help them become better product managers by you know focusing more on the solution i know you just wrote a blog post about writing user stories and it was a lot about the what the user is doing and why and what problem you're trying to solve with this feature or whatever it is and that's so that's one piece but how do you think about that in in terms of trying to engage with product product managers who know a lot and know they know a lot um, that's, that's an interesting one. Um, I think you're right. As product managers, sometimes we do get lost in, in the solution itself. Uh, and it's happened to us. I mean, we, we've been in, in a position where we're trying to find a solution to something and then we get stuck because we can't figure it out and we're focusing so much on it. And more than once, we've just gone, okay, stop what problem are we actually trying to solve here? And we'll take a step back and reassess. And just stopping and making ourselves conscious of what's actually going on um, has helped us in the past. This just happened last week, actually. Um, we had some problem and Simon, our CPO, said, okay, wait, 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 wait. We are getting out of hand here. Let's stop. What are we trying to do? What problem are we trying to solve? And that's when we all went, oh, you know what? You're right. Um, let's stop trying to get this thing to work for us. Let's rather think about how we want to do things or what we're trying to achieve and then go on from there instead of trying to make this other tool fit us let's try to find something that we fit 
great with, you understand? So, um, so it happens. And I think the, the way around that is just to take a step back and reassess yourself and, and go from there. Mm-hmm. People get stuck. It happens. <laughs> Uh, you were talking about user stories and how PMs are fundamentally different than others, maybe because they're too smart, maybe because they think they're too smart. Have you noticed any trends in segmenting your target users between either um, you can talk about it as a power user of ProdPad or you can talk about it as successful product manager? Are there any commonalities that you guys use to segment uh, your users? Yeah, so... Um- I don't think that product managers are too smart for their own good, by the way. <laughs> um, but no, I, so once th- I, I took this course a while back, um, on, on Coursera, cause I kind of just like to take random courses. Uh, and one thing that it, it taught me about and got me thinking about is how when you're so into the product where you're working with it day in, day out, myself as a support person, as the cus- head of customer success, uh, you, start learning things from your own perspective, right? Uh, And then when a new user comes in, you kind of go, why are you not getting it? (laughs) So when we designed our onboarding or when we think about segmentation, uh, what we actually did is we all got in a room and we said, okay, so what do we want to see in in the onboarding flow? How do we segment these people? Uh, And then at what point I said, wait, but why are we thinking about it? Let's take a step back again and think about what our customers are actually seeing. Let's look at that feedback that we have and, and, and start from there. Uh, and so we started thinking about the different types of users that we have. Um, and we, we like rhymes, uh, names that rhyme at ProdPath. So we have uh, our personas are called something like Shaky Sean and Engineering Aaron. <laughs> They're really funny. Um, they have great pictures too. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we started thinking about all the different types of product managers that come our way. Uh, you know, if we have the, the brand new product managers, um, the people that aren't quite sure, the people that have like engineering airing that have a background in development. Uh, so instead of thinking about the product itself the way we understand it, it's we, we tried to understand it from our different user personas. And so we have built different flows, not just based on the user permission of the user itself, because we have different um, roles, but based as well on what type of user, where they fit within the personas. Uh, and we have some really great funny emails and Jana and Andini did an absolutely amazing job. The flow on Drip is the most complicated thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but it's really, really great. And we've had some um, really positive response from it. Cool. And as you as you get a user from onboarded to active user uh, to probably a power user, what are the common features or common activities that you find among the highest level of the power users or those that uh, retain the longest? Uh, so we actually tested this over a really long time. And even before I got on ProdPad, um, Jana had actually started tracking this before. Uh, so what we've noticed is that um, once they start inviting other users, so when they invite their team, that is the defining moment when they have found some sort of value and they want to share it with someone else. Uh, so we, I don't want to say we try to push it too much, uh, but we did uh, in our onboarding flow, uh, we have a gamification um, sort of aspect to it where the more things you do, the more time you get. And the one thing that gives you the most time is inviting other people. (laughs) So they invite other people, their team gets exposed to it, they get more trial time. 
And at that point, it's been exposed to their whole team. So their whole team starts to like it and understand it. And uh, once that happens, um, they they just get on, on board it really quickly. Um, and we've actually lowered our uh, conversion time. So when we started tracking this in a few months ago, we officially started tracking it. Um, but let's say our our trial to subscription time was about six to ten weeks. And uh, on Monday that I did it again, because I do it weekly, um, we have now solid numbers for the first to two weeks. So it's gone down in a few months. Um, it's It's gone remarkably well and sometimes we go was that a fluke like what what happened <laughs> um so and we're actually going to write a great blog post about that by the way so stay tuned um <laughs> shameless pitch but um but yeah so we're keeping an eye on the numbers and we see the numbers going down and down and down and people are subscribing a lot quicker and uh and it's really great to see because it, it's really validating that we're we're doing the right things and we're working on the right stuff but even for us sometimes we go what what ha- is that real? Like what? <laughs> uh, but it's great to see that happen. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, can I steal that? Absolutely. Okay, great. So I'm definitely going to change our onboarding to be like a points-based value system where you get additional time in the trial. Is that yeah. what I heard right? Okay. Um, where were you at before? Remind me. Uh, so in the past, I have um, worked at Brandwatch. Uh, I'm a community moderator at Zendesk as well. Uh, and when I was in Montreal, I worked for a company called Amelia, which is an e-commerce company. So compare interacting with users from, say, Zendesk to those from uh, ProdPad, because obviously we're talking about product managers at ProdPad, and we may be talking product managers at Zendesk, but we're also talking to support reps, uh, engineers, maybe even technical support folks. Uh, are there any major differences that jump out at you from, from those two groups? Um, between support and product, not so much, to be honest. I think the two are very closely related. Um, and for those product managers listening, please work with your support people. <laughs> uh, I myself became an accidentally product manager when I was doing support at Amelia. And my CEO at the time said, you know what? From now on, you're just going to decide what goes out. And I'm like, what is that? What? What? What is? Wh- you're giving me control. <laughs> but what do I do? How do I decide these things? And it was really daunting. And I didn't know that I had become a product manager at the time. I had a totally different title, but um, that's how I became a product manager. Uh, so between support and product management, not so much of a difference. I think where there really was for me a huge difference is um, when I worked at this company, when you're dealing with people that don't use the product all day they use it occasionally because their parents signing up their kids to you know the sports team or the tennis club or whatever and they had issues using the app for example and these are people that are not on their computers all day long they're they're full-time parents they're business people they're whatever it is that and so you brought this up a couple times interacting with technical or i'd say just uh users who are sort of in the know versus those that are not uh, and you said there is the downside um but what's an upside of dealing with that? Is it that you avoid having to herd cats or is it more painful because you have to not recycle the same content a hundred times? Um, that's an interesting question. I actually enjoy both um, for different reasons. Um, I, I actually do like teaching people. <laughs> my Both my parents are teachers, so I think it just kind of works for me. Uh, but it's... It's just different. I mean, it, for me, it's exciting to see a user um, not understand a thing that you're talking about and then go through that you know, epiphany of, oh my God, now I get it. <laughs> uh, so that's exciting for me to see that person grow and understand your product and, and become a quote-unquote pro user. 
but then there's the people that totally get it and then they actually end up giving you feedback as to how to make the product better. So I, 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 it provides different levels of, um, I guess, satisfaction is what I want to say. Um, I don't see it as a downside necessarily in, in for either case, um, but it just, you actually learn different things with each case. So how to treat people that don't know anything versus how to talk to people that probably know things better than you do. <laughs> so you end up getting really, really great feedback in the end. We can probably come back a little bit to that, but I was just starting to think the, you know, we met on the Mind the Product Slack channel. And of course, you're also on the PMHQ Slack, Slack channel. And so I'm, I'm curious about, um, tell me a little bit about how you're using that and how you're creating your persona on, on your, I mean, you're really active on both and putting a lot of information out and do you do you have a, a a plan is it more ad hoc that you're how you're interacting with with those channels um and and what's your general take on as these things grow i mean pmhq has grown hugely and i think mtp has as well what do you sort of see as the future of that Wow, those were a lot of really good questions altogether. <laughs> I hope I'm not going to forget to answer all of those because I'm like thinking about all these things I want to say now. Uh, but yes, both are growing really, really quickly. Uh, in terms of how do I decide what I say, I don't. I just, I don't have no filter, by the way. <laughs> I don't think anyone in ProudPad has a filter, which is why we work so great together. Uh, so we don't have a plan. I mean, if I see something that I think I can contribute with, uh, or two, um, I will say it. I mean, sometimes I'm totally wrong and people will call me out on it and I just say, oh, actually, you're right, <laughs> um, which is great. I mean, I think that is one of the reasons why both channels are, are growing so much is because it is a place to learn from other people. Uh, so so that's one thing. Uh, in terms of the future of it, um, I... I don't know. I mean, it's both are, I think, very different communities, although they are both for product managers. Uh, but it's interesting to see, um, you know, how people interact. Um, I know that there, it's, it's gone to the point where, at least for PMHQ, I know that there's been, um, sort of local groups, um, popping up. Uh, Mind the Product has Product Tanks, so they also have those groups. Um, but it's just fun. I mean, both are fun. Um, I'm a moderator of PMHQ and I'm sort of an unofficial MTP member. Um, I'm honorary member of the MTP crew. So it's, it's just really exciting to see both grow. Um, and like I said, it's, it's, yeah, it's great. It's good stuff. One of the things I've noticed on PMHQ, which is where I started my Slack experience and I joined the MTP is that it's gotten so big that it's extremely difficult to keep track of what's going on. How are you handling that? Probably the same as most people. Sometimes I miss stuff. <laughs> and I, yeah, I mean, it's, there is actually a Reddit. Um, for those on Reddit, there's a Reddit product management um, channel, I think is the word for it. Yeah, subreddits uh, for product management. And sometimes it's not as active, but it is easier to keep on top of things because it's more static and you can go back on it. But yeah, I think that's sort of one of the downsides of um, of Slack is things move really, really quickly. And unless you are there all day, every day, uh, which I know it seems like I am sometimes, but not really, <laughs> uh, it it does become hard to keep up um, keep up with things. And I think I'm on ten different Slack channels at this point, and sometimes I just don't even read them. Uh, which it sucks to say, but I I do sometimes end up missing out on stuff, and I think it's normal. Um, when you have, how many members is it on PMHQ? Like 1,200, 1,500? 
Yeah, and it's the same for uh, MTP. I think we just hit like 1,700 um, users as well. So it does become really, really hard to keep up with stuff sometimes. So how did you get involved with ProdPad? And what's the single funniest or craziest thing you've seen since being there? Uh, so I was actually a ProdPad customer before I started working for ProdPad. Uh, and I had uh, left my previous job and I sent Jana an email and I was very ballsy about it. I think that's probably my funniest moments. And I said, you need to hire me. And she replied and I said, I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> but we, it was a really funny exchange of emails when it happened. Um, and we like immediately uh, recognized the Canadianness in each other. And uh, she invited me to the product tank, um, Brighton. Unfortunately, I actually missed her. Uh, and then we didn't speak for about a month or a month and a half. And then she emailed me back and I said, and she said, uh, I would like to hire you now. And I said, I'm sorry, I have a job. She goes, no, you don't. <laughs> Come meet me. We're going to talk. And that day she offered me the job. And she said, you're going to start on Monday. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't. I can't just leave. You know, I'm, I made a commitment. Let me wrap that up before I am. Um, I go back and I think we both appreciated that, you know, our, our honesty with each other. Uh, and it's been great since. I mean, we we have a very open um, and, like I said, opinionated team. Uh, but it's it's been great. Is there anything you can tell us about what's coming up with ProdPad or anything we should be looking forward to? What can I divulge? Uh, we're trying to push out the offline mode a little bit more. So we do have a, a, an offline mode in the new beta and it's sort of our first step to uh, to having an actual app. Uh, and I'm actually looking forward to this uh, on Wednesday <laughs> because what happened last year at MTP London is the Wi-Fi went down, as it does in, uh, in conferences. Mm -hmm. And we were the only vendor that could actually show off our app because we had offline mode. <laughs> and it caught us all by surprise because we hadn't actually been told that it was put on there. <laughs> the devs kind of snuck it in as a test. And... We just went, oh, my God, the offline mode works. <laughs> this is great. Uh, so we got to show it off. And, and I'm kind of selfishly thinking, I hope it, the Wi-Fi goes down again <laughs> so that we, we're the only ones that can show it. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I don't hope the Wi-Fi goes down. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking the time out uh, during Mind the Product and uh, discussing with us. It was a pleasure to meet you. Thank you, Andrea. It was been very delightful. And it's been great to see your personality that is so strong on the on the boards and it it's strong in person too it's really it has been very fun to to see you see that in person yeah no thank you guys great to, to talk to you guys and meet you in person all right everyone hopefully you enjoyed that interview with andreas Saez from prodpad we thought it was pretty useful and as always we want to make sure that we really encapsulate all of the key things that you need to take away First and foremost, as Andrea said, tell stories. Try to get to the problem and a great way to describe that so you can really convey to your audience what it is you're talking about and help them really understand where you're going once you finally discuss a solution. Step two, get involved in a PM community. There are examples that we mention here like the PMHQ or Mind the Product, uh, also known as MTP, Slack groups. They are very well attended, lots of great stuff on there, and Nils and I are there as well. And then finally, number three, don't be afraid to reach out to teams and companies that you love and you'd consider working for. As Andrea had told us, you never really know when they're going to be looking for someone, and that first initial introduction could be a great way to start the conversation. And who knows, maybe down the line, it's going to be a good fit. 
Thank you all for the time. This is Rob and signing off for Nils as well. We'll see you next time. Have a good one. Ignition.